headed to a function uh, down in Troy, so he'll be checking in with us. But Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer is here in the studio. Justin, how you doing? I'm doing well. <clears throat> doing well. Um, interested in seeing what this weekend's going to end up looking like for Auburn, and then what next week looks like. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Maybe, maybe even more. I'm even maybe even more interested in that than I agree. Than this weekend, you going to Oxford? Yeah, yeah. Leaving tomorrow. Um, early kick in Oxford. It'd be, it'd be interesting. Um, you know, I uh, the times I've been to Oxford, Auburn's won. Um, and has been the favorite, you know, most of the time, I think 14 was that, you know, that wild game that ended, uh, you know, with the, with the fumble, uh, but going back to 16 and 18, it's just been kind of casual for Auburn to kind of go in there and get wins. It's not going to be the case. This Ole Miss team is, you know, I, I thought last year it's best Ole Miss team in a while. This year, I think th- this team's even better this year. Yeah. On, yeah. Both sides of the ball. Ja- Jackson dart at times can be a little inconsistent, but mm-hmm. last week, they last week, um, he was pretty much asked to throw the ball because the emphasis yep. was stopping the run, and he did for nearly 450 yards. They're so, so much better at the line of so scrimmage, too. They're so yeah. Yes, they are. They're the same. Ole Miss is kind of the same. Like, with the new cast of characters, it's still what you're going to get. You're going to get a quick-trigger RPO, heavy quarterback. You're going to get a running game that's really good. Zach Evans and Quinshot Jenkins have been great this year. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Mingo's had a great season. They've got some other weapons, a wide receiver. Lane Kiffin is an excellent play caller. He is he is about as good as it gets in finding that I mean the Achilles heel the mm-hmm. the weakness of the other team and he'll just keep doing it and keep doing it until you very can, and um, until and unless you do something about it you're going to pay yeah you can tell he's got an NFL background right like that's well that's what mean, happens in the league all the time is like if you if you show weakness they will pick on it until something mm-hmm. changes uh, and uh, he he's got that to him but yeah that. The thing that stands out to me about this Ole Miss team is like Auburn's won six straight against Ole Miss, and usually, you know, even when Auburn hasn't been great in those years, you can say, well, you're going to win at the line of scrimmage. Usually, um, you got more talent. You, you know, you're probably stronger up front. That's not the case this year. This Ole Miss offensive line is really good. Uh, second fewest sacks allowed in college football this season. They are run blocking at a, at a much higher rate. Uh, you know, better at a much higher rate than they did last season. And then in their defense, their defense, this is top 20 defense. They I mean, they legitimately have a really good defense, and um, I think it starts up front with the, how they've been able to kind of um, impact the game. So it's a different Ole Miss team. You can tell this is, you know, it's year three under Lane Kiffin. They've, they, they are looking more and more like a team that can contend in the SEC West compared to some of the Ole Miss teams we've seen in the past. Yeah, now... Their schedule is definitely backloaded. It's super backloaded. I mean, uh, they haven't played the toughest schedule, but they have they have really taken care of teams up to this point. So yeah, quite a challenge for uh, for, for Auburn. We'll we'll get more into that in just a little bit. Let's go ahead and take care of of the uh, the business that we need to. Hour number one of the drive, which we're just getting underway, is brought to you as usual by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And they're also the sponsor of our hotline, where we'll hear from Dan. We're going to hear from Scott Bagwell, voice of the Auburn High School Tigers. Auburn, after um, its open date, getting ready for here is the stretch run, and this is a huge game coming up tomorrow night over in Phoenix City, Monster Auburn game. and Central. And if Auburn wins, they clinch um, a share for the uh, for the region title. 
Central can still get there. Uh, Prattville can still get there. Opelika I mean, Opelika win. can. I mean, but but uh, Auburn with a win can eliminate. Uh, they can basically eliminate Central from winning. They can eliminate uh, Opelika from winning. Yep. Uh, Prattville still would have a chance, but they'd have to win out. But and uh, Auburn would have to Auburn lose would out. have to lose. That's right. So, um, so this is a huge game, and and going to Central is one of the toughest places mm-hmm. to try to go and and hope to come out with a win. So we'll talk with Scott about that in about uh, ten minutes or so, and then coming up at the five o'clock hour, our regular five o'clock guest. On Thursdays, and that's David Pasco from the Chattanooga Times Free Press. He's got a big one this week. This weekend, I'm uh, sure. I, I would, <laughs> I'm I would sure think so. He's going to he, uh, go. He's going to go uh, uh, further east from where he normally is there in Chattanooga. He's going to go over to, to to Knoxville, where I'm sure where where Alabama and Tennessee are playing, and Tennessee fans are more excited and rightfully so oh, yeah. than they have been in well over a decade. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long time since you felt like Alabama and Tennessee is going to be a competitive football game. Now there's been some times where it's been a little more competitive than we thought. This one going in though has got some stakes and like especially with Alabama not being you know fire on all cylinders right now, Bryce Young's injury definitely plays a part in that. This is the best shot Tennessee's had. Really, since the last time they won, I mean, it's it, they have not had a shot quite like this. And the last time these two teams were unbeaten and both ranked in the top ten was nineteen eighty nine. Wow! So I've never seen an Alabama team. I have never seen an Alabama Tennessee game with this much, with this much you know at stake. Because yeah, for most of my life, it's either been now you saw some huge Tennessee Florida games. Yeah. yeah. For most of my life, it's been either Alabama's been down and Tennessee's been up, right. but for more likely, it's been Alabama's been up and Tennessee's been down. Yep. Uh, but uh, it goes back to kind of what we've been talking about with you know, like with Brian Harson and and you know, showing progress and all that. Like how many co- how many year one or year two coaches in college football this year have their teams like in a really really good spot? And Tennessee, I mean, I remember uh, we talked about this with Dan. I know, um, or at least I ha- I have may have been off mic uh, a while back, but it's like you look at Tennessee. When Brian Harson and uh, and Josh Heupel both got hired in the same cycle, Heupel was walking into the wor- a worse situation oh, yes. at Tennessee, and they are playing far better football right now. Uh, and uh, you know, well, that's, that's, that shows you it's not impossible. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. It's not at all. Look at what Kansas is doing in year two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let me and and it's different, obviously, because it's different conferences and different competition, but like. Lincoln Riley has done exactly what we thought he would do at USC right off the bat. Um, so, you know, it's 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 one of those things where you look at the the future for Auburn and what happens next. It's like, you know, you can look around and find some some coaches that are around that time period of when Brian Harson got hired, or even shorter. And then, like, well, there's there's proof of concept here. There's real progress that's been made, and and Auburn's gone backwards. I mean, I wrote about it earlier this week at the Observer. Since Auburn played Ole Miss last year, Ole Miss is ten and one. Auburn's three and Auburn's eight. Auburn's three and eight. Yep, three and eight, and they are averaging less than twenty points a game against like quality competition in those games. And uh, what one one win against a Power Five team, I believe, Missouri. Yep, yeah. and and that was the most unlikely win probably you'll ever you, you're, get. You're right. I mean, that's shoulda. Yeah, you know, gone the other way. Uh, and Ole Miss's only loss was when Matt Corral got hurt against Baylor in the Sugar Bowl. Mm-hmm. Like, so a full strength Ole Miss team is undefeated since they last lost to Auburn. And Matt Corral was banged up 
last year oh, yeah. when Auburn when Auburn beat yeah. them. But that was one of Auburn's better games. No Absolutely. question. Absolutely. And they won it with defense. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. It's like if they're going to have a chance on Saturday to pull off the upset or make this a competitive game for four quarters, it's going to have to be some. Uh, Lane Kiffin's talked about it multiple times this week. He's, point, he's pointed out, like, hey, the two times he's played Auburn, like he's coached against Auburn at Ole Miss, Auburn's, Auburn's defense has held Ole Miss in check. As good as anybody else has consistently, you know, in multiple matchups against Ole Miss, they are going to have to do that again. And and like I said, Ole Miss is a better team than they were last year. They just they just are statistically. A lot of motivation for the Rebels, no question about it. So uh, so yeah, we'll talk more about that. I mean, we'll get into some Auburn basketball. Look at the other games around the uh, the SEC in the country today. Keep you up to date on playoff baseball, uh, where we've had a, another. Well, this time, not just a delay, a uh, postponement of the Yankees and the Guardians for this evening. They will play tomorrow along with the two National League games. Got the other um, ALDS going on. And as I looked at the beginning of the show, Seattle had taken a 2-1 lead on the Astros. We'll keep you updated on that. But right now, let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Shane gets us started. Hey, Shane. Hey, guys. How are you all today? Doing fine. Hey, I just wanted to comment on a couple of these topics. Uh, I think I think a lot of these new guys that are doing so well, I think their personality is just vastly different from from Harson. I mean, you could see it in the mass exodus that we had that he just doesn't fit well with a lot of people, and or, you know, you can see that from from the boosters not wanting him there. I just think that he his his attitude, his philosophy—I don't know what it is—but I just don't think that he. He connects with with the players and future recruits as do the other guys do, and has uh, our our past coaches seem like they have. You know, it just seems like that's that's a huge different or huge difference and a huge problem because the most most of this is about getting these kids to come here, and if we can't relate to them, well, you know, how can we convince them? Yeah, and it's like you can be like Nick Saban and you can be like some of these other coaches that aren't necessarily the most outgoing or the most or the warmest hey, Nick, coaches Nick, Nick in the Nick world. Saban, Nick Saban he knows when to turn it on. Though. Is right. is one of the most charming people you'll ever meet when he wants to be. Mm-hmm. Now, I I think Brian Harson, I don't know that it's it's personality it is fit though, Shane. It's I'll agree there. Yeah. But when you talk about mass exodus, Auburn didn't have nearly as many players leave as Tennessee had. Mm-hmm. Josh Heupel took over that, a program true. that had a ton of players gone. The that difference, was more situational. Yeah, but, but, but one of the big differences in my mind, it's what's happened after that. Because the players, yeah, yeah. the players that stayed at Auburn, Justin, there's no question, those guys bought into Brian Harson. Uh, look, look at all the guys that came back, and they're playing hard. The difference but is, what is it? it's, it's, well, I, I believe it's just his philosophy, his process. Uh, and right. you know, there's a word you heard from Nick Saban, but his process is just a different one from anyone I've ever seen work successfully in the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, Jason, Jason, Co- one more thing? yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I'm going to let you say so. I just wanted to okay, toss ahead, out a couple, toss out a couple of things. Jason Caldwell had said to us, and then I saw uh, Christian Clemente wrote the same thing today. And and he was on on the line a little earlier. Uh, one thing that I've I've never heard of at any other school is Auburn's coordinators. Uh, it's it's tight ends coach and offensive line coach have yet to go out to a high school game 
this year. That is Brian Harson's philosophy is their meetings on Friday nights. Most teams do have meetings on Friday nights, but they're they're usually run by analysts or GAs and the coaches go out and recruit. Brian Harson wants those guys. Carry, it's something he carried over from boys. That is exactly right. He wants his coaches there Friday night. That is a in my mind, Justin, that is a huge miss by not being at high school games, being there, being visible, having your your head coach and assistants out on the road, and that's something. It just it 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 seems like the Brian Harson's philosophy is he's hired a big recruiting group to handle recruiting, right. and and he waits and he's waiting for the players to come to campus. You've got to go out and get them. And I think that was similar to what he did at Boise State. Yes, go ahead, Shane. Yeah. I, I agree with everything you just said, too. He, he's waiting for them to come to us instead of going and getting the guys like everybody else in the country is doing. Well, everybody else in this not, league, for sure. You're right. Right. And they're not coming because cause someone else has already convinced them that why they shouldn't come here and why they should go there. And we're not, we're not, we're not selling anything. They're just, we're just waiting. And, and whoever we get, we get. And it's just, it's just not, not a, I don't see how this is going to last much longer at all. Can you know, I say the, pro- the problem is, yeah, sure. Not not football, not football related, and and um, I just want to know if, if could you speak if you know anything about our our gymnastics? I, I kept I kept seeing that we kept getting these top recruits. Oh, yeah. for the the next two seasons. Could you speak uh, a little bit if you guys know anything about that? I, I yeah. I'm interested in gymnastics sure. and uh, and um. I'd love to hear some of that. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it, Shane. Yeah, uh, so Auburn Gymnastics just picked up a monster recruit um, last night. Uh, got a got a commitment. Uh, Want to make sure I get the, uh, the, and, the and, name right and here. She, and, and she's not the only, I believe. I believe they've got at least one other, if not two other, five stars who may be even, who are even more highly ranked as far as mm-hmm. high school recruits but this yeah. is here. Here's a, here is here is a medalist for Team yeah. America, though. Yeah, Caitlin Jong uh, committed to Auburn uh, last night. Uh, she was uh, won the all around championship for the juniors at the United States Championships last year. Won gold on the floor representing the U.S. in Hungary for her mm-hmm. age division. Elite, elite prospect. I mean, you're talking about. I think very similar, like a like a Sophia Groth kind of like. Okay, not Suni Lee, but really, really close. Well, and in any other year. For Auburn Gymnastics, would have been, been by the, far the best player the, you had. Yeah, the greatest would have been the greatest uh, signee you'd ever had. I'll compare, SUNY, SUNY is is I mean is just a gold mine for oh Auburn. Yeah. And, and 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 I'll compare it to to like this. Um, take Auburn basketball for example. You've had Jabari Smith. You've had Sharif Cooper. Those are f- fantastic, far away. This is like getting like a, like a Chance Westry or an Isaac Okoro, where it's like. Oh, most years this would have been, you yeah. would have gone nuts for it. It may say four stars, but this is an elite, elite pro- prospect. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, uh, John's on board. You, there are a couple others that are uh, that are in the mix. Like, this this team is built to last. Oh, yeah. And I think the the notoriety they got from landing Sudi Lee has gotten more people with their, with their eyes on Auburn Gymnastics. And, um, I mean, credit, I believe, goes to the fans also. This is that the atmosphere they You're create right. for home gymnastics. Meets. You you don't get that a lot of places in in, in, in in collegiate gymnastics, and I think that that makes it that makes it fun. Gymnastics, especially at an elite level, at an Olympic level, and when you're trying to get in the Olympics, is brutal. It is painful. It is stressful. And so a lot of these now with NIL out, 
a lot of these girls are going to be in collegiate gymnastics because it's more fun. Like right. you get to actually kind of have fun with it again. And I think the atmosphere inside Neville Arena definitely contributes to that. Great call, Shane. I'll say one other thing. Yes, um, the the one thing that we had said that uh, Brian Harson had talked about it. It's you know he had put it all on him, and then he said those two words: "Just watch." The problem is it hasn't been pretty to watch. 334-321-1390. We'll get to our first break. Scott Bagwell joins us on the other side to preview the huge matchup tomorrow night over in Phoenix City. Stick with us here on the Thursday Drive. You're live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill, Justin Ferguson here in the studio. Dan will be joining us uh, by phone. He's on his way down to a Troy for a function down there. Uh, but right now, we're going to go to the Kia of Auburn hotline and welcome in the voice of the Auburn High School Tigers. And that's Scott Bagwell. Scott, how you doing? Good. How are you all doing? Uh, doing pretty well, man. Glad it's almost Friday. Has it been a long time now since your last uh, broadcast? Or are you feeling like it's it's been longer than uh, than almost two weeks? Yes. <laughs> Somehow it, it it felt like a felt like a long time, but um, went from uh, one amazing environment to two weeks off to another amazing environment tomorrow uh, in Phoenix City. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Yeah, no no question about it. Fun is is not a not a phrase that's been described many times by by <laughs> visitors going going over well, to uh, to that to that stadium. Well, I don't have to play and I don't have to coach in it. I just have to broadcast it. If, if, and but on the flip side, when I talk to the coaches and um, you know leading up to it, they like look, this is this is why you do it. You know yeah. this type of game, this type of environment. You know everybody knows there's a chance that you meet each other again in about a month. But still, this 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 is the type of game that you want to. Why you play? Why you coach? Why you're a part of it? So um, you know. It, it's going to be grueling. It's going to be. It's going to be an absolute battle. But somewhere in there, if you're not having fun, then why are you playing football? It's got a uh, Auburn high coming off of a very important off week last week. They needed to get healed up. They they obviously would use the extra prep to to get ready for the, you know the biggest regular season game for them this year. Um, when you talk to the coaches and, and kind of see what, what's going on, how much has Auburn been able to benefit from having a really well timed off week? Um, a lot. Uh, last week they were able to go very very light. I think they only went two or three days. Part of it also is they're able is is it's an older team, so um, they're able to be more kind of mental and still get a lot of stuff done. Um, and I also think it's big for the coaches to to be able to regroup because it's a grind on them as well, trying to make sure that everything is covered and things like that. And they got an opportunity to to kind of. Not necessarily relax, but not be as amped up as you are on game week. And um, I think everybody benefited big time from it. Um, everybody was able to heal up, and now it's 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 uh, locked in on Central and 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 for what they hope is another seven week run, heading uh, heading to a, to a hopefully a region championship and an opportunity to play for state. 
Uh, Central always uh, just just loaded with talent, and uh, this year's no exception. Pat Nix, um, you know, has has some uh, new faces in some spots, but uh, they're not lacking on talent. Yeah, no, they got a lot of talent, and it always seems like there's a couple of names that that one you you hear for two three years in a row because there've been three year starters, and there's always an extra talented kid that uh, that pops up randomly. Um, at the, at the beginning of the, of a season, because when you have that type of program, people move in. And that's what happened. Uh, obviously with the, the Harris kid moves in to play, uh, for Phoenix City Central. Um, he's five star committed to Georgia. Um, obviously that makes your DB group a whole lot better. Uh, Tamarian Parker at the end. Uh, they got another D lineman interior guy that's really, really good. They got receivers. They are, they're extremely, extremely good. But when I was looking through their stats, their two losses, they could not run the ball. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be the key for Auburn is against in games that Central wins, they have had they're over 200 yards, close to 240 yards per game. And their two losses, now obviously one of those is IMG, which is a different beast. Um, IMG and Opelika, about 70 yards per game on the ground. So uh, I know that's going to be a key for Auburn. So uh, in your mind, what are the keys uh, for, for Auburn and, and the, the matchups that are the, are, are the most critical? Well, I know I just said that uh, Central struggles to run the ball in the games that they did not win, but I think the key is going to be this back four against the Central receivers. That's the area where Auburn's still kind of banged up, still don't know who's going to be able to go. Um, I think it's a couple of game-time decisions in the back four, but we saw them play really well against Opelika. With mm-hmm. that said, this receiving core for Central has a little bit more explosiveness than the Opelika receiving core. So I think that's going to be a key. If Auburn's going to bring pressure, that they're going to force the quarterback to make plays. Um, and, and I think if Auburn's able not to give up the deep ball and keep everything in front of them, I think the defense will be good. Um, I think another key for Auburn is to start off well. Um, last year, Central had two big plays in the regular season matchup that spotted them to a 14-0 right. lead, and that was the difference in the game. Uh, in the game, in the playoffs, Auburn started off hot and got a couple of turnovers and had a lead, and then Central made some big plays late in that game to help turn momentum and win the game. I think if Auburn can start hot and um, and, and Gill lead early, I think that's going to go a long way. Um, but this is a senior crew, our senior group in the last couple of weeks against Ramsey and Opelika. Those two teams have scored first. And really against Opelika, Opelika played better than Auburn in the first half, and, and Auburn had to respond. However it starts, it's it's going to be a great one. I mean, the, the feel of this, the excitement, um, just just can't wait for this huge matchup. And, and again, I was saying a little while ago, I mean, uh, it goes so far. A win by Auburn all but, uh, all but puts them there. They just got to take care of a little more business. But a win by the Tigers, and they're in great shape as they head down the stretch. A win by Auburn, and they're one win away and the next two from clinching the region championship and meaning that for them to win a state championship, they wouldn't have to leave Lee County. Right. Which which is so huge, not having to make that long trip to Tuscaloosa or to Birmingham if you're able to win region. And you play Central again. You get them at home. You get them at the duck. Um, you know, when they went and played Thompson a couple of years ago, Auburn played at home throughout the playoffs. Uh, it cannot be understated mm-hmm. how big it is 
to win the region championship and to set yourself up with an opportunity to play the whole playoffs at home. No question about it. Looking forward to it. Scott, let everybody know, you know, uh, the time and, and how they can get it. 6.30 airtime, 7 o'clock kick central um, on Wings 94.3. Uh, me, Rob Pate, and Jack Hutton will have all the action as uh, – Again, it's it's going to be an awesome, awesome environment, and uh, and looking forward to going over there for uh, hopefully still a win and 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 take a step closer to getting a region championship. Best of luck. Have a great broadcast, Scott. Thanks. Pre- appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. All right, we'll get to our bottom of the hour break here on the Thursday Drive. The drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this nice-looking Thursday afternoon. I I wasn't sure I'd be saying that when I was awakened by the... uh, the thunderstorm at around four o'clock this morning, but it's a really nice Thursday afternoon. Hope everybody doing well. Bill, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer, along with Drew at the controls here in the studio. Where's Dan? Dan is somewhere between here and Troy, if he's not already in Troy, but he's joining us right now here on the uh, Thursday drive. Dan, how you doing? Or he's he's there. He can can he hear us? He should be able Everybody, to hear. Us. Can you hear me at all? We've got you. Yeah, we, we, yeah. You were fading in and out there for a second. Whoop! We lost him. It's the old fashioned telephone might work a little better here. Well, the, that's the thing. The old fashioned phone phone lines, phone calls don't sound as good. The quality's not as good. No. But you're much more liable to keep the connection. I remember when we did our show during COVID, when Painter and I were doing it remotely, I Skyped in, and it sounded fine. Uh, it, it sounds really good. It sounds whenever, like you're when, there. But when it, oh, but when it goes out, out it's bad. It's bad. Yeah, you're right. It was real bad. Um, so is it? Is it Dan? Yeah, I, th- I think uh, this time we're going to try, we're we're gonna gonna try caller, by phone. A new this caller time. here. His yeah. name is Dan, I, I believe. Wouldn't you agree that no? Yeah, it's me, guys. Um, all right, so yeah, I'm, I'm in a part of the state where the internet perception might be a little bit spotty, so we might need to do this over the phone. I'm about a half hour out of uh, Trojan Arena. It is, it's a gorgeous day, Bill. And oh, it is. Seeing the the leaves are starting to turn a little bit. I'm doing some leaf peeping here on my on my drive down. So it's. Uh, uh, I hope people understood what you just said. Yeah, I yeah. Hope so too. My man, my man is my man is absorbing the beauty that is the wiregrass. That's, that's right. Yeah, I mean you can Google. I mean I didn't just. It's not. It's not a euphemism or anything. That's, uh, not, that's not the wiregrass yet. If you're if you're still a half was, an hour north of Troy. Oh, okay. He's north of Troy. Yeah. Yeah. So you. Yeah, I mean, I'm in an undisclosed location somewhere. Have you passed Sykes and Cons yet? <laughs> Sykes and Con oh, yet? Are you going oh, that yeah, way? No. That was always a stop. Always a stop. I might stick around for the festival, Justin. When's the when's the peanut festival? You know, you know that. <laughs> oh yeah, peanut festival. It, peanut festival soon. It's it's like it's yeah, like it's in a couple fall. weeks. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely it's fall. Um, it's, it's gotta be it's gotta be coming up. Well, it's great to talk to you guys. Yeah. Okay. Have a good one, Dan. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for checking in, bud. Oh no. I mean, so with Ju- with Justin here, Dan. Uh, what 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 do you want Justin to address? We uh we hit a little football early on. Didn't really get 
deep into Auburn and, and, and its problems. And, Justin, I know you always are uh, really checking the numbers and the analytics and they're not pretty. No, no, it's 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 not offensively, especially. It's, yeah, and defensively, they're fine. They're fine. It's a it's it's a it's a middle of the road SEC defense, right. which can win you some games. Um, the first half against Georgia, they played I thought pretty well considering the circumstances, and then the dam breaks on them in the second half. Um, but. Yeah, somebody asked me in the mailbag for tomorrow. By the way, Dan, uh, Dan, you have a you have a question in the mailbag that you sent me um, at some point. Um, you I'm guys all, not know each other well enough for him to just ask you. Well, he, well, here's the thing: is he he wanted to do it to create some content for oh, okay. it. But I'm going to tell you, Dan, the subject matter of your question, I'm going to hold off a little bit. There, there, there might need there might be a move or two before I before I uh, make. I know your policy on not wanting to start naming names. Yeah, like because there's not a not a vacancy, right? Yeah. And, and yours is borderline. Yours is borderline. You're, I like the question though, and I will answer it soon, but maybe not and right now. Got, it's a, it's a question about the hireability of a certain coach, Bill. We've talked about it this week. You can read between the lines about sort of what I asked. Justin. Yeah, you know, a coach that's in this game this weekend. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, I know Dan's brought that. Dan's brought up quite it's that a great question. question. It's a many great times. question. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, there was somebody who asked me in the mailbags like, "What is Auburn like? What is Auburn good at this year? Or, like, is the punting the best thing they've got?" And it's like, yeah, it has been. And then the thing is, then you had your first punt return, and it was a big one that set up Georgia's second score. Auburn is second in net punting and like fourteenth in the country in net punting. You will not find another statistic Auburn is near that level. At well, not a good year. one. Not a good one. Yeah, because they lead, good, they lead the nation in fumbles. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, yeah it's just, this is as bad as I've seen it. And I, and I only covered the tail to, end of 2012. We had a caller earlier this week asking about, you know, you're at the stage where you might start not necessarily phasing out the older players, but seeing more first and second year players on the field. I understand with a coach who's, maybe coaching for his life, it's it's a little different. But is there is there someone you think you might see more of uh, that, that you haven't seen through the first couple of weeks as far as players who are in their, their first or second year in the program? Or is there someone we've started to see more of? Like, I guess that's one thing other than the result that you can start to, to look for in these games. And I'm wondering where there could be potential building blocks, you know, sort of, you know, making a case in the next couple of weeks. Here's the thing. This staff, as currently constructed, I don't know how much changing they're going to be doing. And that's and that's another reason I told someone today where if things continue the way they have, that it would make sense to make a change to get some of the younger players Look, some experience. I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm a... I'm a sports writer, and so I have to be the main character of everything. But I asked Brian Harson this week in his press conference, like, how much has your offensive identity changed? Do you still like feel like you have it? And he's like, no, we haven't changed it yet. And it's like, from my perspective, you don't have the personnel or the results to be keep doing what you're doing. But here's the thing. I don't know what you do. Really? like, And if they make a move You know in the what season, he wants to do, right? but I don't, I don't think they can do it. And I don't know if there's anything else they could do that would make it better because I think at the end of the day, the way you were losing at the line of scrimmage on this offense... Here's a here's a crazy stat for you. I just want to point, point this out. Um, Auburn in 2012, we've compared so much to 2012 this year, right? Because that's mm-hmm. the last time Auburn has looked this bad before. But in 2012... I would point. Uh, I, w- I want to point out that 
Uh, that season, Trey Mason averaged five yards a carry against Power Five opponents. Auburn and can 4. run the 4.68 yards per carry in SEC play. Yeah. This season, Tank Bigsby is below three in both categories, and it's not his fault entirely. This man is one of the has some of the most yards after contact of anybody in college football this year. We knew in 2012, like. They could run the ball, and then that those pieces, that building, those building blocks in 2013, Gus Malzahn got the mm-hmm. band back together, and they went hammer down, made some, you know, got a got Nick Marshall unleashed. Yeah, Jay found Frosch. found a guy who could really run right. that show of running the ball. The problem is Auburn's offensive line is 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 this is the worst I have I can remember them playing. Let me, let me ask you though, a lot of these guys have played before. Do they not seem to be playing worse? Yes. It's they're regressed. Auburn is bottom ten in in the country in pretty much every run blocking stat that you can find anywhere, um, and so it's like in 2012 at least you could say like okay to Dan's point earlier in 2012 you could say well hey you may got something here in Trey Mason or like that offensive line could you know you could see where it could all come together. Um, I, I, offensively, you've got a couple of guys that you like, but you don't know if they're going to still be here next mm-hmm. year. And you don't know what that's going to look like moving forward, and so that's where it's like somehow on offense, it's worse. It's a worse projection right now than what they've got, uh, what they had in 2012, and that's well, the, crazy to think the about. The danger, the danger in comparing this season to 2008 or 2012 is that so much has changed in college football in the last decade, and players have free movement now. I mean, if 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 this if the 2008 season had happened. With the current set of rules, who's to say all those players would have stuck around for 2010? Because much like 2013. that 2012 mm-hmm. to 2013 turnaround, you have a lot of crucial offensive linemen from the 2008 team that were still there in 2010. What's jarring about this season is that instead of in 2008 or 2012, it's not just that the offensive line is struggling. It's struggling with veterans yeah. and Seniors yep. and guys that where there's not well let's see what happens next year or let's see if they can build on this for two or three years. No. Not to mention like you just said, Justin. Even if you have freshmen and sophomores, you don't know anymore if they're in it for the long haul because things right. have changed in the sport. But I mean, with seniors, you know they're not in the long haul because it's their their last year of eligibility. Yeah, so, you got to go back. You know, I mean. It, you got to go back to the beginning of the year when, you, or the beginning of the season when Auburn didn't hit in the transfer portal with an offensive lineman. And again, at most they might have gotten one or two. They weren't going to rebuild right. and revamp this offensive line. But when they brought all those guys back, and I know Nick Brahms didn't work out, right? You know that's a very unfortunate. But you bring back all these veterans and these guys who came back, and you run it back with that with that offensive line. the The thought was, okay, your best case scenario is. This experience, this continuity, you're going to get a little. Maybe you get some improvement there. But what we've seen instead is regression. This group has regressed. You can't find anywhere where you you can say that they haven't regressed. Not saying everyone's played poorly every single game, but as a unit, I mean, it's just been the positives have been so sporadic, and the negatives are just way too way too common. And and I think another problem, another mark against Brian Harson in this situation is that most first or second year coaches, especially second year coaches, can say, all right, well, the guys that I inherited and attempted to develop aren't working out. Let's go to the guys I brought in, whether it's in the portal, like you said, Justin, or on the high school level. I mean, 
Brian uh, Brian Kelly's starting a true freshman or two on the LSU offensive line. And worst case scenario, go to guys that you hand pick from the high school level and, and try to let them get experience. Auburn doesn't really have realistic options as far as players Brian Harson has brought in to to take over on the offensive line because these veteran players aren't aren't performing to the level. But there are some younger guys that you know we'd actually heard some things about. I mean, there was talk in the preseason about Kobe Smith. Uh, I mean, you, I'm I'm just surprised that as much as it's been a struggle, that there there hasn't been a move. And maybe part of it is until last week, you know, Auburn was still thinking, Justin, that that you know they've got a chance. They they the they get a they get a big oh, win. Yeah. Oh yeah, and and they're still very much in the picture. All right, now you're you're one and two in the conference. Uh, you're a you're a double digit underdog this week. Uh, it, it's very difficult to. To think that okay, it's it's still going to be you know everything's still the same as as when we head into the season. Yeah, no, it's 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 to a point now. If you're Auburn, where where you know what are you going to change, and how much is it going to matter, right? Like mm-hmm. I, that's well, the thing. That's how the thing. much how much how much can you do to to be better in the future? Now that's got to be tough to do when the coaching staff is. Um, uh, nobody on the coaching staff sure where they're going to be next year. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And so that's why this weekend is interesting. How much Auburn looks different, or the lack of adjustments at this point, I think is going to be very telling to what we mm-hmm. see in the second half of the season. The, the names I thought—I I don't know if you, if you guys can still hear me—I just went through a weird little. No, we got there, you. But, but it, the, the names I thought Justin Ferguson might say when we're tossing out. I know we've talked about Jeremiah Wright, which I know you know it's up in the air how available he is because he's bounced around from position to position. But but he's uh, playing he's playing every game on special teams, Dan. It seems to be something there that maybe you know maybe you work him in an offensive line if you're starting to go to younger players. You mentioned Cole, who would be another one I think that that would be an option if you wanted to start looking younger. But I don't think it's this coaching staff. They yeah, can make that move. An interim staff, maybe, right. can start looking to work younger players in like that. But, no, while you're still very much invested in what the win-loss, you know, what, what happens at the end of the game, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, tough to, it's tough to start working in guys thinking about the future. Dan with us. Uh, i tell you what we'll do. Dan, uh, we'll let you get into a better area. If you get a chance, give us a call back in a little bit because we've got to get to our final break here of hour number one. Bill and Justin, Drew here at the controls. Love for you to join in. We'll get to our final break of hour number one here on the Thursday Drive. Now's the perfect time to get more and spend less with Wow Mobile powered by Reach. Bundle it with Wow Internet and get both for as low as $24.99 a month. Switch and save at Wowway.com. Available to Wild Internet customers. Subject to change. Mobile services provided by Reach Mobile. Reach Mobile terms apply. Time to churn up some more yardage on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final few minutes of hour number one here on this Thursday edition. Dan will uh, be checking back with uh, back in with us probably about you know when he gets into Troy. Uh, but in the meantime, it's uh, Bill and Justin for the uh, 
uh, final few minutes here of hour number one of the drive. Mentioned basketball and uh, some good news for Auburn basketball with the return of Alan Flanagan. Actually, both Flanagans. Yeah, Alan Flanagan and Wes Flanagan both out there. Good timing for Auburn, too. Not only was Alan Flanagan back out this week of practice, and plenty of time to be a part of uh, a pro day yesterday, which is important for a guy who's a senior. Right. Man, he tested so well. You look at the pro day numbers that they gave out, like the shuttle, the vert, the, you know, the dashes and agility drill. Some of the best numbers um, Auburn had. I think he was tops in all, of all scholarship players and all those and all those things. Like he physically, he's there. This is going to be a matter of getting that confidence back, especially with his offense. But plenty of time. You got you got weeks now to kind of kick off any of the rust before you get into the beginning of the season. Also, very big timing with Chance Westry out getting yeah, that's getting right. a, getting a small forward now. Chris Moore taking advantage of these of these uh, in Leor Berman, Berman taking advantage of getting some more reps with the first team. You know, it seems like in practices because of the absences uh, at, at small four. But yeah, this could be Al's job to really take in. And um, yeah, it was it was good to kind of get a a full scrimmage uh, like thing <laughs> and um, you know some some practice stuff that. You know, we were able to actually report about and write about because it was open to. There was twenty eight of the thirty NBA teams there yesterday, yeah, uh, which was pretty. Which cool is unheard, see. unheard of just a few years ago. It's, I mean, it's so wild, and it's it's become kind of commonplace at this point. And that you know, Bruce even talked about it after or before it all got started. It's like I don't ever want to take this for granted because like I, that is something that you know that they built, they got mm-hmm. to this point, um, and it's also very telling. You know, Andre or Chance Westry. You know, and then some of these guys like Jani Broom, Wendell Green Jr., guys like that, and there, there's others, Al, um, have NBA futures. But there's not anybody on this team right now where you say, like Jabari or like Sharif, where you point out that's a like, lottery pick. That's yeah. it. Right now, that's a lottery pick mm-hmm. this year. Those guys could, de- I think, yo, could definitely develop into that. Um, but yet, 28 of the 30 NBA teams show up. And like most of this roster is going to be either guys that may or may not go out. And and if they go out in the draft this year, they might be back half of the first round, second round guys, but there's depth there. And um, yeah, really good, really good. And man, uh, Yoan Treor is, he's real good. (laughs) He's really, really good. Like you saw it last year with Jabari right off the bat. Um, I think you're going to see something similar, maybe not to the same level, but you're going to see just kind of like, wow, that's not a normal freshman uh, for a dude who's six ten. Six ten, he uh, his measurements in terms of speed and agility and vert and all that, or that's a guard. That that is a big guard. That's a very big guard. Uh, but yesterday during the scrimmage, um, they got the ball to him down low, and he was finishing with power um, and, and showing a really good, really I, good grit to his game. I, I think I think the front court is just. I mean, I don't know that Auburn's ever had well. No, they haven't. They haven't had numbers of guys like that that yeah. can that can uh, beat you in the front court the way they the way they can. Yeah, and and, and to think about if if Yoan Traor and Janai Broom, the newcomers, become your starters, like I think a lot of people project at this point, Jalen Williams is now entering his fourth year, and right. he's just consistent. Like you know, there's he had a really good scrimmage yesterday where he's one of those guys where it's like he doesn't need twenty twenty five minutes a night to make an impact on game. And then there's Dylan Carwell, where when Dylan Carwell's hot, he's as good of a rebounder or a rim protector as you can find. Um, so, and, and and his inside scoring continues to to kind of develop. But that's a physical front court. Oh yeah, Jabari and Walker, fantastic front court, all Americans. They're going to be two of the best to ever play at Auburn. This group's going to have more kind of like they're going to be more physical, both on offense and defense. And I think that's going to hold up really well against what they've got in the SEC this year. 
And then also in the backcourt, you got so much experience coming back that I think it's going to be a good balance. It's going to be a different kind of team. They could be just as dangerous. Again, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how the shooting comes along. I mean, if, if KD can shoot the way he did before KD he got hurt. KD shot really well in the scrimmage yesterday. You know, and, and Zepp just goes ahead and pulls the trigger a little bit more. And, yeah. and Willow can be consistent. I mean, that along with the threat of, all right, step out on him and watch him drop it inside. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. If, if Wendell Green Jr. can be a little bit more efficient with his jump shot, I mean, you, you've got a complete point guard there. His numbers last season, assist to turnover, um, you know, just the, the offensive impact, the good defensive plays that he made. He was one of the best point guards in the SEC and major college basketball last year. He just needs to be a little bit more efficient scorer. And I mean, that's, that's complete. Katie Johnson. We talked about it. Lost 19 pounds. He looks a lot better. Looks a lot explode. He mo- he's moving a lot better. I think that shot's coming back too. I believe he hit three of his five attempts from deep. And he was a 40 percent shooter at Georgia before. Oh, yeah. and he was a 40 percent shooter right. in SEC play before he before he hurt his wrist again at um at, at Georgia last year. So you got that going. Zet wasn't able to go yesterday. He had a stomach right. bug. Um, but uh, you know everybody else kind of got got a good showcase in there and. Um, we say this kind of. We've said this recently about Auburn's teams, but I'll tell you, Auburn scout teams got some dudes. Like they're <laughs> they're gonna be they're gonna be uh, they're gonna be well tested. Uh, there were a couple guys uh, yesterday that were hitting some great shots, and um, yeah, it's it's just such a deep team. And then when you even start talking about some of those scout team guys showing up, like Jalen Harper and Chandler Leopard and some of those guys, it's like. It's a, it's, it's a pretty good mix. Uh, really good showcase for what they've got coming up next year. Justin Ferguson along with Bill here as we head into our top of the hour break. Dan will check back in with us, but when we come back, it's our weekly visit with David Paschal. So stick with us. Hour number two coming up here on the Thursday Drive. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. This is SportsCenter. I'm Christine Lisi. Slugger Yordan Alvarez, the hero for the Astros with his walk-off home run in that ALDS Game 1 win over the Mariners, has come through today in Game 2. He's got the go-ahead two-run blast. It came in the sixth inning off Luis Castillo. Houston's up 3-2 on Seattle, bottom seven. Tonight's Game 2 of the ALDS for the Guardians and Yankees postponed because of rain. Rescheduled for tomorrow, 12.30 Eastern ESPN Radio. According to a report from ESPN, Commander's owner Dan Snyder, who's facing investigations on multiple fronts, has told associates he used private investigators and other sources to gather dirt on fellow owners, coaches, and executives, and that he will not lose his franchise without a fight, leading to some uncomfortable choices for owners and the league, notes ESPN's Dan Orlovsky. It's either you call out his blood and say you have nothing on us, or it comes down to how much do you want him out? And how much self-exposure are you willing to go through to force his hand and get him up? Dan Orlovsky on first take. A commander's spokesman has denied the private investigator allegations. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Commercial Insurance can protect your small business with over 30 coverage options. An easy-to-use mobile app, personalized discounts, and more. Get a quote in as little as six minutes at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Discounts and coverage selections not available in all states or situations. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, 
This is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Thursday Drive. Bill, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer here in the studio with Drew at the controls. Dan is uh, probably in Troy now. He had a function to attend this evening. He'll be checking back in with us in just a little while. Um, so it's it's uh, just the three of us here in the uh, studio. But we've got a, another uh, fun hour lined up as we will uh, bring in a special guest here momentarily. First, let's go ahead and let you know all the necessary information and that is our number two of the drive is brought to you by the good folks at the orthopedic clinic east alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in auburn and opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com and we we will take your calls yeah okay we will uh take your calls in just a little while because we have a guest that we will get to here shortly on the kia of auburn hotline kia of auburn where you're always number one. And the uh, number to get you through, well, we'll remind you of it in a little while, but uh, because right now uh, it, it'll be busy, but it's 321-1390. You can also text us, and uh, Drew will be checking that. And the, uh, the drive text box brought to you, um, let's see, I, I'm trying to remember the number. Uh, three, three, I don't have the sheets in front of me. Three, three, four, five, six, four, 1840. Yep. I believe. I feel is, like I should be doing this if, if Dan's out. Yeah. I feel like I have to tag in and do it. Ad read. Yeah. That's usually, yeah, that's usually a, a Dan, a Dan thing, uh, right there, but I'm pretty sure I had the, uh, I, I had the right number, but it, yeah, that was right. Brought to you by Southeastern right. industrial contractors. Well, you know, you, what, it's one of those things where. You just say it and don't think about it. Yeah. If I if somebody asks me sometime mm-hmm. the number to call in on the show, I'll have to go through the whole spiel so I can get to it. Because like I don't think about it, I just say it. Yeah. So so yeah. So you can text us. We'll get to your calls in a little while. But right now, we're going to get to the Kia of Auburn Hotline. Welcome in our regular Thursday guest, and that's David Pascal from uh, ESPN Chattanooga, where he just wrapped up his show and. <laughs> The Chattanooga Times Free Press. David Pascal joining us on the Thursday Drive. David, how you doing today? I'm fine, and I'm actually laughing because I'm looking at my. I've got a yellow notepad, like I'm in middle school. Like you would just take down, and if I don't write down every single thing on, I write down our phone number every day because if I don't, I will absolutely brain fart and forget it. Well, it's it's one of those things where I just do it so many times it's like a reflex. But Dan's usually over here. He's down in Troy. He's got a function that he's at this evening. He's usually giving the text box and those other things. And it's like, oh, yeah. where are those? Where are those cards? Uh, so so yeah, people people think, oh, we we always have those things. Or you know, I do remember most of them. But I'm serious. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times it's like, wait a minute, I don't know. Let me go back <laughs> through the whole through the whole spiel. So yeah. Uh, that's sort of the, some of the tricks of the trade. Whatever, whatever works, as long as you get no the doubt. get the sponsor reads and get the numbers right. 
No doubt. Of course, we went from uh, 105.1 to 95.3, but we kept the 105.1 phone number, so we've kind of got uh, that dynamic still ooh. going. Yeah, that's good. Well, see, we yeah we we went from. Uh, uh, we we change spots on the dial as well. The dial people are going. There's no such thing as a radio dial anymore. <laughs> but yeah, we moved numbers but kept the same phone numbers. So you've been at the same place, and I, I've been here for a while now. What's bad is when you go from one show to another show, and they're completely different phone numbers. That's when and you start the, throwing the, the wrong fear ones out. is you just without thinking give out the wrong number. Yeah, so. <laughs> That's uh, that, that's sort of the, that's sort of the way Auburn Auburn fans are feeling uh, about their football team right now. It's like, did we give did we give the other team our numbers as as if uh, some of those teams would need it? Let's get some thoughts from David on on last week. Just uh, and and uh, I guess we can quickly go through what everybody expected last week in Athens. I mean, Georgia had had struggled, had been a little sloppy for a couple of weeks. Auburn hung with them for a while until. Uh, they they gave Georgia great field position to give them a 14-point lead at the half and then just uh, couldn't take advantage for a touchdown early in the second half, and then Georgia just put them away. Yeah, and you guys have been where I've been before. I mean, I was down in Baton Rouge. I had the noon game or the 11 a.m. local game, and so uh, when when Auburn-Georgia was kicking off, that's when I was going down to the locker room doing the – doing the interviews, coming back up and writing, because, as you know, I mean, there's some press box now in the league, and LSU's one of them, where they say if you're not done with your story by such and such, right. the press box is closed. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, I mean, yep. that hadn't been the case until recently. Um, and so, honest to goodness, the only highlight plays I saw from that game, and, and granted, I mean, it's no, I picked it 37-6. I thought it'd be a 31-point game. It was a 32-point game. The only highlights I saw was just, just, Briefly checking on Twitter, I saw Robbie Ashford's fumble, uh, and then I saw Stetson Bennett's long run. Those were the only two highlights I even saw from that game. So I could tell you absolutely zero about it, other than when I saw 14-3 to early in the third quarter, I was like, wow, this may be closer than I thought. And then, of course, Georgia had the impressive drive to 21-3, and they were off and running. Yeah, first not not that it matters. I think there was only uh, seven yards difference in total offense in the first half. So it was it was competitive for a half, but Auburn's Auburn's uh, um, made a habit of that of uh, not being able to be competitive in the second half. So so yeah, we we can we we'll come back to Auburn in a little while. You were down in Baton Rouge, and LSU. It, hey Tennessee, thank Tennessee said thank you very much on the opening kickoff, and I mean I turned around. I mean really, I had the ball game. On was going to watch, went to do something, came back in, and I swear it was ten nothing. It was like that; it happened that quickly. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, the opening kickoff, like you mentioned, and, and gave Tennessee like a twenty-seven yard field where they made it seven nothing. And then another huge sequence was early in the second quarter where LSU was at its own forty-five yard line, facing a third and one, and they just got too cute. Uh, Jaden Daniels dropped back, and the, and all of their routes were like forty yards downfield. And they were covered, and it's like, what are you doing? And so he throws the ball away and leaves them with a fourth and one that they decide to go for on mm-hmm. their own 45, and they get stuffed. And and then Hooker uh, hits Jalen Hyde, a 45-yard touchdown on the next play, and it's, um, I guess it was 13 nothing at that point, and it made it 20 to nothing. And so it's kind of like almost an early game over. Uh, LSU special teams have just been Awful. disastrous this year. And, uh, and it just really bit them time and time again. I mean, you saw it in that opener against Florida State. 
uh, where they missed the kick and at the end. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it's it's a scene unlike any I've ever seen before. The, it was my first time down there in four years. And when I went down there in 2018, I covered Georgia down there. And that's back in that stage where Georgia was just trying to take over every stadium. You know, they had had the taking over Notre Dame in 17 and the Rose Bowl at the end of 17. Well, uh, LSU was their big road trip in 18. And a lot of people, like Scott Rabelais, the columnist down there, he was like, this is the most red or most visiting fans I've ever seen for a game here. But, you know, if you remember, LSU played really well in that game. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire mm-hmm. went nuts, and, and LSU beat them by 20. Well, the difference was you had Tennessee just completely blow LSU out. Um, and, I, I, and I had a lot of people say that this is the most number of road fans they've seen other than that Georgia game four years ago. Um, and so it made for a really weird scene in that fourth quarter where you've got an entire Tiger Stadium, and the only color is orange. I mean, the only people there were Tennessee fans, Tennessee's band, and LSU's band, and that was it. It was a very surreal scene to see them just get blown out in their own stadium and by a program like Tennessee that's been down for so long. Yeah, the the Tennessee turnaround has been just uh, phenomenal. It it really has, and they have an opportunity to take it to the next yeah, level. Huh? Yeah, the, and, no and, doubt, and, no doubt. And this has got to be the 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 craziest, the the most frenetic the evolved nation has been in well over a decade. It is, but you know, it's kind of, uh, uh, and I would think this has to be a plus for them. It's kind of built up gradually to this. This season, I mean, mm-hmm. you've got you've got the CBS game of the week. You've got ESPN College Game Day this week, but you had that three weeks ago when they played Florida. Mm-hmm. So they've already kind of had this kind of attention, and they've handled it well. So um, yeah, this is the first you know first time, and this has obviously been such a great rivalry through the years. It's hard to think about, and I know Bill, you'll remember this when when Bill Battle his first year in 1970, Tennessee beat Alabama 24 to nothing. And at that point, uh, this rivalry was 23-23-7. and seven. You had seven ties. This rivalry had its share of ties through the years. But, um, you know, it was dead even. And then you had Bear Bryant win 11 in a row. Uh, and then Tennessee had some success. And, you know, Fulmer won seven in a row. But, but now it's been 15 years with Saban. So what was once a tie is now Alabama's up by 22 in this thing. But, you know, this is the first time that Tennessee really has a legitimate shot in this game under Saban since really the first time they played in 07. Now, Alabama clobbered them that game in Tuscaloosa, but that was a, you know, if you remember, obviously, Saban's first team went to the Independence Bowl and, and Tennessee in 07 won the SEC East. So this is the first time in 15 years where you're even talking about Tennessee having a chance in this game. There have only been two close calls. The Terrence Cody block and, mm-hmm. um, and then the game in 15. And it's interesting because in each of those situations, Tennessee was coming directly off an open date while Alabama was playing its eighth game in eight weeks. There's a little bit of a similar feel to that because Tennessee had the open date before LSU and Alabama's playing its seventh game in seven weeks. So we'll see. I mean, Tennessee definitely looked like the better team if you just look at last weekend's game. But, you know, a whole thing, we've already talked about the opening kickoff, and, and you think about Alabama with Milrow with two fumbles and one interception. Um, you know, Alabama's 118th in the country in turnover ratio, turnover margin. That never happens. Um, so, I mean, Tennessee's got to be careful because, you know, things happen real easy early, as you pointed out, against LSU 
and 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 the Bama Texas A and M game stayed close because of Bama. So what if Bama plays a clean game? Uh, how does Tennessee handle that? Because obviously Alabama comes a whole lot tougher. Yeah, and you mentioned Jalen Miller last week for Alabama. Uh, you, you just got to feel like uh, that Bryce Bryce is going to give it a go. And uh, Tennessee, both these teams. Uh, I mean, as, as as impressive as Tennessee's been, and out, and, and when, even when Alabama's winning big, you look out there and go, man, uh, there's some there's some opportunities for the other offense. You think, at least I do. I, I think there could be some there. There could be a few points scored in this ball game. Well, and it's almost kind of weird that the over unders at sixty five and a half because you're talking. You're you're right. You're talking about two of the top fives. Uh, scoring offenses in the country. Tennessee's second at 46.8 points a game and Alabama's fifth at 44.3 points a game. So, uh, along those lines, you might, you, you would be kind of like, why is this line, not, uh, the over under not even higher, uh, like it was for the Tennessee Ole Miss game? I forget what that was, but that was like way up there, um, and, and didn't live up to it. But, you know, you do have with Tennessee, of course, with Alabama, you know what you've got. You've got the, you know, the most menacing edge rusher in the country with, with Will Anderson. But, you know, with Tennessee, you've got a good one with Byron Young. You know, he had two and a half, uh, sacks last week. And, um, you know, it, that's going to be a huge part of this game. Tennessee's defensive front against Alabama's offensive line because, you know, as, as mediocre as Florida has kind of been so far this year, they really do have a nice offensive line. And Tennessee couldn't do much with it. And, and you saw Anthony Richardson have a ton of total yards. Right. Well, LSU, you know, had a key injury up front right before the game. And, and, and Tennessee, uh, did a fantastic job, you know, nine tackles for loss. LSU's running backs had 12 carries for 17 yards in that yeah. game. So, LSU's you know, you look up and all of a sudden Tennessee, whose defense was just dreadful, uh, for just about all of last year and their pass defense is still dreadful, but, uh, their run defense is now 11th in the country. So, Jameer Gibbs becomes just a huge factor in this game. And, of course, you know, Saban's talked about it. I mean, just what a patient runner he is when he goes east to west. And then he's he's found that right hole. And, I mean, you know, correct hole to just hit the seam and, and go for 30 yards, go for 70 yards. You've seen him do both. So that's just a huge aspect of this game as well. Yeah. Were you a little surprised to see Alabama seven, seven-and-a-half-point favorite? A little bit. I mean, it's weird because just with the young situation, I, I do think that Tennessee is just kind of a a safe. I don't want to say they're the correct pick, but they feel like a safer pick mm-hmm. uh, getting those seven and a half points. Just because you don't know, even if Young does play, uh, will he still have the same zip and touch on the ball? And and what happens if Young takes that first hit? And and what happens if Milrow gets sacked? Because you know, when Milrow comes in that Arkansas game, they're way, way up. And then all of a sudden, Arkansas does make it a one-possession game. But you guys know this. I mean, you know, Arkansas is a nice place to play, but they're kind of in that, you know, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Mississippi State realm when you're talking about facilities. I mean, oh, yeah. Tennessee gets loud. Florida Field gets loud. Tiger Stadium gets loud. Bama gets loud. I mean, and, and so, you know, if, if Milrow has to play – uh, he's by far going to be the, in the most hostile environment he's ever been put in. Oh, there's no question about it. We're talking with David Pascal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press and ESPN Chattanooga. Uh, love, love quick thoughts on a couple of the other matchups. We're talking about LSU. LSU's got some problems up front. There's no questions about it. Uh, they're, they're at Gainesville taking on a Florida team that I, I really don't know how good they are either, but both these teams four and two going in. 
Yeah, very mirror images. I mean, the only first-year coaches in the league, like you said, they're four and two. And so at this point, I mean, it is a it is a big game for them. I mean, you know, five and two sounds a whole lot better than four and three. It's it's really kind of weird. I mean, you think about what Tennessee has done, and and sometimes when you have a team that does well, some other teams suffer as a result. Obviously, you can't all go you know nine and three every year. You can't all go you know, six and two in the league. And, and by beating Florida and LSU, Tennessee has kind of made Florida LSU kind of a more meaningless game this year. It's a great cross-divisional rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, but with it being at the swamp, uh, I kind of, you know, I like Florida by a field goal in this game. I think it's, it, it, it neither result would surprise me. No, sure. no. And that's about, that's about what it is. Um, Mississippi State has been, to me, one of the, uh, more surprising teams. They're running the ball, and they're they're pretty they're they're pretty good defensively as well. Can Kentucky lose its third straight game this week? You know, this is where I'm going against the grain for most because most people, you know, the, with the way Mississippi State's played and and the Levis situation, I think Levis plays. I think he's mm-hmm. uh, and I think he plays well. Um, this has been a weird series where it, it, the home team. It's been. It's not just holding serve at home. Sometimes it's holding serve decisively. And two years ago in Lexington, this was a twenty-four to two game. Uh, and and even though Mississippi State is definitely playing better of the two, you, you still wonder if they have that huge hiccup in them, uh, like what LSU yeah. did. You know, closing that game against Mississippi State on a thirty-one to three run. So. I like Kentucky winning this game. I think it's like 27-20, but I'm going C-A-T-S, Cats, Cats, Cats. I don't disagree. I mean, uh, Mike Leach generally uh, also has a stinker uh, somewhere yeah. along the way. <laughs> ha- happened, hadn't happened yet, but that's, no. that's what the air oh, uh, will uh, give you. Well, and, that, and that's a great lead-in with that description as, as we uh, talk about the matchup over in Oxford early on Saturday Ole Miss has only beaten Auburn three times ever in Oxford, and and, and those three times uh, Auburn has changed coaches. Uh, it would be a surprise. It would be a shock if uh, Ole Miss beats Auburn that Auburn doesn't change coaches. The question just is, when? in many folks' minds, when? Yeah, and, and real quick, because this goes back to the start, um, you know, because you asked me about the Georgia game. And uh, how about this stat? Since 2011, uh, Georgia is eight and two against Vanderbilt and eleven and two against Auburn. Wow, <laughs> that's yeah. that's that's great. Yeah, Auburn fans meetings. love hearing that. Wow. I know you have the fact that they've already played Auburn this year. You have the two meetings in 2017, and of course and Georgia Vandy SEC in 2020 yeah. was canceled because of COVID. Yeah, um, but no doubt. Yeah, it's funny. I'm 55 years old, and Ole Miss has beaten Auburn six times in my life. <laughs> Uh, I was actually at, I actually covered one of those games that you referenced in Oxford, the Joe Lee Dunn game in '92. Yep. They absolutely blistered Auburn that year. Um, but yeah, I you know it's interesting. I picked this game 31-13 Rebels. I mean, I just think Ole Miss, even though Ole Miss has its warts for sure, mm-hmm. um, uh, Auburn's offense is just so brutally bad right now. Uh, but I do wonder. I mean, it is one thing. We, uh, this is where you wonder where a six game series win streak like Auburn has comes into effect. I mean, we've talked about it. I mean, Auburn does play hard. They're just limited about every aspect under the sun. So it wouldn't surprise me if the game's a whole lot closer than 31-13. Right. I just don't see how Auburn wins it. Yeah, and David, I don't know how much you've gotten to see Ole Miss this year, but the thing to me, I've always said in this six-game losing or the six-game winning streak for Auburn, 
Even in the years that Auburn hasn't had a great team, they feel like they've been the better team at the line of scrimmage, and that's gone a long way. Ole Miss, to me, on on paper and what little I've gotten to see of them this year, especially on the offensive side, they look like they are a team that has a lot more like contending ability at the point. Of, you knew they had skill position players under lane, but that, that point of attack in the line of scrimmage, I think that for the first time in a while, I think you're going to say Ole Miss has got the advantage there over Auburn. Yeah. And I think, uh, unfortunately, I think that's the case that you're starting to see a lot of teams cast in mm-hmm. past Auburn on that front. I mean, it, you just, I, I, and it's funny, Jason, because I didn't notice that for the first time until I watched a lot of the Penn State game and you're just watching Penn State in that second half shred them and you're just mm-hmm. kind of like, wow. I mean, you've got, you know, Derek Hall and Popo and you've got, you've got some, but you just, you just across the board, even just, you know, going back to 2019, I mean, there were so many more household names on that Auburn defense. Uh, and especially up front and, uh, you know, when you think of Davidson and Brown and I mean, those guys were absolute studs. Coe until he left. I mean, it's, you know, it is. It's, it's a, it's kind of a hodgepodge of talent compared to what Auburn has historically had. So, yeah, I mean, I watched a good bit of Ole Miss against Kentucky. That was a game that you felt like Ole Miss was just on the verge of blowing them out and never yeah. really did. And, and so Auburn's got to be real careful. They got to try to hang in that thing as long as they can and give themselves a chance in the fourth quarter. It's just built, like you said, at the top. I mean, this is just, it's, you wonder in, mentally in their heads when they walk out in the third quarter, when, when, when does the caving in start? Cause, uh, you know, it's, it's just, you go back to last year's Ole Miss game. That's, will that be the last, High, I mean, it's going to be the high watermark of the of the Harson era. Will it be the last stand? I mean, will that be the last quality win of the Harson era? Yeah, and if, and if they lose, as you know, just about, uh, it, it would be a huge upset if they don't. Um, and and that's it for Brian Harson. He would uh, finish his last full season three and nine. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's staggering. You just you didn't. It, it can happen in a hurry, uh, and, and of course it happened in a hurry to Chiswick in 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but uh, we've talked about it before. Auburn's all, It's almost like Auburn's just gone against the logic with, with the bounce-back success they've had through the years. But but this really does seem like with, with recruiting and just where other teams are and some other schools. Heck, I mean, we've talked about it before. Ole Miss and Mississippi State made great hires. Arkansas made a great hire, but we haven't even talked about that game. Arkansas could be looking at a at a three third straight four. loss. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and that's a good football team. Well, I mean, that, they've nice lost three straight. Program. That's right. And so, I mean, even a nice hire like Sam Pittman can all of a sudden start to erode. And so, it, it it's just wild up and down how you can go. But I mean, Auburn is clearly, um, you know, near the bottom of the SEC now, and and I don't know when they get out of it. No, no, you're right. David, great stuff, as always. We really appreciate you spending a little time with us here on Thursday. Uh, so so you'll be, I'm, I'm sure you're, you're in Knoxville, right? Correct, correct. I'll get up there, hopefully, in time to watch a lot of uh, the Auburn Ole Miss game. I, I, I guess if we leave around 9 Eastern uh, for a 3.30, it's only two hours, but there's going to be tons of oh, traffic. traffic you got Alabama fans going the exact same way. Yep. Uh, David, let everybody know how they can follow everything you do. All right, timesfreepress.com and ESPNChattanooga.com. David, thanks again. Uh, have a great weekend. Have a good trip. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, you guys do the same. Always enjoy it. Uh, absolutely. Our pleasure. David Pascal joining us as he does every Thursday. He always has He always has some uh, – uh, he's got great insight on all these. It's like I don't have enough time to ask oh, no. him yeah. and go into all the games. 
That but, Auburn Vanderbilt Auburn Georgia staff or that's, yeah, that Vanderbilt that's Georgia very staff. sad. Woo. Yeah, that's very sad. Let's get to our first break of hour number two. We'll open up the phone lines three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Come on in and join us here on the Thursday Drive. Now more of the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. You heard, you heard those numbers? Uh, well, it's time. Like I said, I, I could spend so much time talking and listening to uh, David Pascal that we're, we're going to get caught up with our hard set bottom of the hour break so we'll have plenty of time when we come back on the other side we'll uh talk about uh the uh, how the uh search for a a full-time athletics director is moving and talk more about football and yeah i want to ask justin you know what would you do with with what auburn has i i don't know that there are that many options We'll talk about that. We'd love for you to join in in the final half hour of the Thursday Drive. Let's get back to the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive, final 25 minutes here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Before we get to uh, John... Justin, give everybody uh, an update of what's been going on yeah. and what you've got coming up at yeah. the Observer. At the Observer, you can check out today's uh, newsletter. It was all about basketball, so a lot of a lot of good basketball stuff from Pro Day yesterday. You can check out there. Um, we also did a podcast where we previewed the Ole Miss game and um, talked some more basketball. We've got mailbag out tomorrow, some uh, football stuff throughout the week, and uh, I'll be in Oxford, leaving for Oxford tomorrow, and I'll be there throughout the weekend to see what all goes on between uh, Auburn and Ole Miss and beyond heading into the off week. So AuburnObserver.com, sign up there. It's $6 a month or $60 for the full year to subscribe, and everything we do gets sent to your email inbox. And uh, now let's go ahead and get to the Kia of Auburn hotline, and John gets us started. Hey, John. Hey, guys. I'm going to piggyback off what Justin just started talking about and go a different direction. Basketball, there's so much negativity with football, but one thought and one question for you guys. I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware, but the first round of the NCAA tournament this year is in Birmingham. Yep. So I, it, it, I'm hoping, and my question to you guys is, is if Auburn's a top four seed, is there a possibility we could actually not be sent to Siberia and get a, <laughs> get a tournament game in Birmingham? Uh, top four seed usually get, if you're a top four seed, you usually get sent to the closest Region, spot. Yeah. yeah it, it, so it would, they would have to drop out of the top four, I think, to to go because then you start thinking of okay, who would be ahead of you in the pecking order? Um, you know, it, there would be if you're a top sixteen seed, two teams per site. Uh, at that point, it's like Alabama would yeah, be ahead, say, ahead that, of that, you. This league's got some possibilities. Right, Alabama could be ahead of you. Tennessee, I don't know what the rest of the sites are like. Tennessee might be it, but like for Auburn, like you know, yeah, if you if you're a top sixteen team and like the teams closest to you aren't. Several of them aren't ahead of you. Mm-hmm. You should be going to Birmingham. And, uh, yeah, you point out there, um, I think 
tickets. Uh, one of my siblings was talking about looking at tickets that are already crazy because I yeah, think there's are. a lot of Alabama and Auburn fans mm-hmm. uh, excited about the potential of them playing in-state for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I picked up my tickets, and one final thought is, as bad as football is, I've never seen such excitement for basketball. I have friends flying to Seattle, to L.A., driving mm-hmm. to Morgantown. So I give a lot of credit to the Auburn fan base. They're really supporting Auburn basketball. So if, if you got a tournament game in Birmingham, it would be crazy. Absolutely. Anyway, that's all I got. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Appreciate the call, John. Uh, yeah, he's right. And also, uh, road games might be your best way, depending mm-hmm. on where you live, might be the best way to, to watch Auburn basketball this year. They sold out of uh, a lot of their SEC, I think all of their SEC games now, I think, are sold out. Well, I, I did. I, I doubt that there are any left because there was an email earlier today that there were a few single game tickets on sale. Yeah. I bet they're gone. And uh, you know, there's some really good there's some really good trips uh, coming up there. I mean, they they play in Atlanta. That's in an NBA arena against Memphis. That's going to be a really mm-hmm. fun atmosphere. That West Virginia game is going to be a lot of fun. They go to Kentucky. They go to a lot of really good venues in the SEC. And they got that West Coast swing. And uh, I'm excited. I, uh, I actually booked my travel for that. I'm going. Cool. I'm, I'm going to go cover the games at USC in Washington. And um, you gave me excuse. I've never been to Seattle before. I've been to LA plenty of times. I've never been to Seattle. So it gave me excuse. How many times can I say work is going to send me to Seattle? So, yeah, no kidding. Um, looking, looking forward to that. And, uh, and uh, it sounds like our, there's already some Auburn fans out West. They're already gearing up for that for that swing the week before Christmas. So it'll be a lot of fun. Oh, I'm sure they are. Back to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Terry's next. Hey, Terry. Hey guys, how y'all doing today? Doing fine. Good. How do you know? How do you know we're struggling football? People are calling up asking basketball questions in October. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it's it's a it's a testament. And it's not the open date week, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like the thing. It's like it's not a. It's a testament to what Bruce Pearl has built, but also it's like, man, you're in the middle of the season and it's it's rough. It's yeah, rough you're, you're halfway through the season, and that used yeah. to never happen. No, no, not at all. Even with good so, basketball team, yeah, you know, yeah, even with good basketball team, right? Hundred mm-hmm, percent. Um, Jess, I, I called the guy yesterday, and I asked him about Jeremiah Wright, and you commented earlier. It's downright frustrating to the point of almost irritating that a guy that talented we heard that much about is not playing, and he's play, he's only playing in limited, like like Bill said, on special teams and things like that. Because uh, is he offense or defense right now? Because I, I always thought he was a great offensive lineman, and that seems to be where Auburn's biggest struggles have been. Yeah, he's he's moved back to offense just before the season started. Right. That's why he's in. He's wearing 76, which he's had, but he's in on punt, pro, punt protection and uh, – Place kick, you know, he's he's an, uh, one of the blockers on place kicking. He's played just a few snaps offensively, but very few. Very, very few. He's, yeah, it's, it, and I, I get As it. much as Auburn's struggling, um, you know, trying to get a push they're up front, kinda, why not? Kinda, yeah. Well, is that, is that lend to your question earlier? If, if a coaching change does happen, do some of the guys get better, bigger chance, different chances? Excuse me. I would think that there would be an opportunity, depending on like if the who the interim was and what kind of the the thought that that person may be able to have a chance to stick around. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you you got to try something different. And say you lose to Ole Miss this weekend, and Auburn makes a move, or they don't make a move. You're coming off that off week back at home against Arkansas. You got to give people a reason to show up and and still give their now. A lot of Auburn fans are going to give a lot of support, but like, what's going to make that difference, right? You don't want to get to a, a point where you're looking up and it's 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 a it's a uh, it's a sparse crowd. Yeah, maybe maybe an opportunity to to see some young guys that you could be excited about in the future. And you know what? If you don't play some of these young guys, I wonder how excited they'll be about coming back, even though. Even though there'll be a new head coach before they're done with the semester, I feel before Christmas, um, before it better be before December first. But 
I, I worry about if you don't play some of these young guys that the first day of the transfer portal is open on December 4th, uh, if they didn't get to play this year, they're going to say, okay, uh, I'll, I'll see if another school gives me a chance. Well, do you guys think the recruiting could it could depend how largely on who knew the, the new head coach would be? Could that turn to take a positive swing? Because it certainly needs to. It's where they rank on the 50s or 60s, Justin. Yeah, it's, it's, it's low. I, I think no matter what happens, I think you're going to see something very similar to what Auburn did when they moved from Gus to Harson. It's like this, the transitional classes are usually not that great. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you may get some, get some excitement and flipping guys. Who, yeah, yeah, depending, depending on, on who it is, is or who the staff but, is. Yeah, uh, it's it's you know you're at a point now where it's like, and the guys you do have committed, if you do make a move, you got to wonder if those guys are committed. It's mm-hmm. taken in as well, so it's it's it'll be it'll be very interesting. But yeah, like this, uh, that's why that's why I keep saying that if Auburn has a has a new op- has an opening in the future, the next guy whoever it is, I think recruiting is going to have to be pretty high up on the priority list in terms of like it, their resume be. because. This roster is going to need some real deal talent uh, infusion over these next couple of cycles, uh, depending on how many guys they lose in the portal or to the NFL draft uh, this, upcom- this upcoming year. Right. Let me make this final comment. Tennessee is having success because they went out and hired a coach who understands how the game is played in 2022 on the offensive side of the ball. And that is exactly how Auburn needs to go because that's how the game is played. And if you admit which out there don't want to accept it, I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Have a good day, guys. Appreciate the call, Terry. I mean, I don't disagree. You, you've got to score these days. You, you, you can't. I mean, Terry's been harping on this for a long time. Uh, and, and, you know, you can't just focus on offense, uh, because, because you can hire a good defensive head coach, and, but, it, but he's going to have to have a, have a great offensive coordinator. 100%. 100%. And I think, I think if Auburn, if, if, if the, if there is an opening <laughs> again, I think there might be one, a couple of guys with defensive backgrounds that you could look at. And it would make a lot of sense for Auburn, but it's like, what do you do on the offensive side of the ball? And it's 100. Um, percent I mean, it, it, it holds up. Great offense is what wins in modern college football. The great game defense, has changed. That's great exactly defense right. Helps you a lot. Great defense can keep you in games. Great offense is going to win you games. It's what I championships. I haven't checked on, It's funny. It's completely opposite the way it used to be. I haven't checked on it in a while. I need to go back and look. But it's like it was like 2021 or 2020. It was around then. Uh, it was like uh, of the top of the top five teams in the country in in, uh, in yards per play, three of them went to the playoff, and another and, and like one of them came really close. Of the top five teams in yards per play on defense, like two of them played each other in the Outback Bowl. Like the, mm-hmm. it's just that's 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 right. what you have to lean towards. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think there is a thing like if Auburn moves on. For Brian Harson, there's going to be a push maybe on defense. Maybe, you know, you, you go with the opposite of what you just had. But, I mean, in this day and age, even if you get a defensive guy, yeah, the problem, that person's The problem hasn't have, been defense, though. Uh-uh. Nope. All right. Nope. Let's get back to the Kia of Auburn hotline. Keith is up next. Hey, Keith. Hey. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, uh, part of it's what he was left with, just the talent that he was, he was left with. But, um, you know, I, I'm just trying to figure all this out. I know that he's gone, and I'm just still wondering – why he's still there i mean he uh because anybody that uh has had anything to do with college football can do as good as we've done coaching the last few games and and you know uh, i've heard y'all say that you know he couldn't recruit in this area or wasn't a good recruiter in this area but doggone you know uh i guess he wasn't but uh the uh 
you know, he come in at, in, at the end of COVID and had, kind of had handcuffs. And, oh, and sure, sure. There, there, no questions. There were obstacles, and that, and he had bigger, larger obstacles because he wasn't from, you know, from anywhere in the southeast. Didn't have those contacts, and that's why I was I was very hesitant to, you know, jump there on on the bandwagon of oh he's got to go because it's like give him a chance, but yeah, um, well, and uh, and he's hired a lot. He's hired a big staff. Uh, recruiting staff and analysts and things like that, but if but if Brian Harson doesn't feel that that he should get out and go and recruit, and his coordinators and some of his staff shouldn't be at high school games, then it ain't going to work. No, it's not going to work. But uh, I think that uh, at this point, that uh, I still don't understand why he's still there. I mean, go ahead and get rid of him and uh, uh, just. Uh, Put put her name out there, and I think we need to get somebody that wants to be at Auburn. I mean, it, it, we don't need to get, ha, have somebody we're going to have to beg and keep putting big numbers by their name. We need to uh, get somebody that wants to be here and wants to recruit and uh, is, a, is a good coach. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned Bill Franklin to you a couple times, but uh, uh, I mean, Bill Clark, but uh, he. Uh, he, you know, I don't know if he can recruit or not, or if he'll put forth the ever, but I'm sure, pretty sure he's got half the high school coach's name already in his phone. Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm sure you're right about that. But I don't know if Bill's, I don't know if Bill's coming back to coaching at this point. Uh, I would be I'll surprised be if he does see what at he some does. Point. Yeah, yeah, I'll be interested to see what he's doing just because UAB. I'm interested to see who takes that UAB job as well if they stay with the interim. But yeah, I mean, whole recruiting ties or at least being able to take advantage of what you've got around you is going to have to be a top priority. Hundred percent. That's right. Well, uh, another thing on on uh, Harson. Uh, looking back at the way all this stuff is laid out, I, I was trying to figure out the the stuff that went on with him. Uh, you know, all I heard was the allegation that that he was having an affair, and that turned out to be false. And a lot of that came from Twitter. And I think half of those were Georgian Alabama fans. And uh, you know, there were in, uh, people saying that it was the upper people at Auburn, but I, I never heard one situation uh, or one thing, one conversation or or anything. I just, you know, it just seems like it was weak and and we we were weak by letting that take us down like that. I mean, may, it might have been all meant to be because it just hurried this process on, but uh, I just, it, it just seems like we were played. <laughs> I mean, well, it, it really does. And, and I, I can't speak for specifics because I don't know specifics, but I will tell you that uh, Auburn doesn't doesn't do these things lightly. Auburn mm-hmm. doesn't investigate uh, just on the whim or the complaints of of a power that be or a booster or yeah, a or, or something yeah. on Twitter. I guarantee you. There was there was something that they felt need to be investigated, and there was a lot of speculation because people didn't have access to that investigation. And yep. you're not going to get it, folks. This is the kind of thing when those investigations go on at the university and and hopefully just about everywhere they are internal, and that is there is a reason that the information yep. doesn't get out, and that's to protect everyone. And I'll and I'll add this to it is that you got to go back and look at the context of when it was triggered and when it happened. This was a time when Auburn had two coordinators leave in short succession, not fired. One of them not to a job in coaching. The other one quit and then ended up going you know somewhere else later on. And then a steady stream of players leaving the program, entering the transfer portal, including your starting quarterback who is like Mr. Auburn. Like, he's having con- a pretty good year. Yeah, he's having a great year at Oregon. Uh, 
that that context, I think, is that's very important. Of like, okay, why is this happening? Why after a year one of a of a program and a coaching staff to have this much turnover and this much? Because like some of it you can say, get your own guys in. You know, mm-hmm. things are rotating around. Some of that can be explained. But the extent and the volume, and and it was the co- the coordinator thing as well was was really the the thing that stood stood out. So, like Bill Bill makes a great point. Bill obviously would know very well being being somebody who's been in armor for a while. These things aren't taken lightly. You're not going to get like uh, they're not going to open up the books and say here's what we did and no. here's and here's and here's how uh, how it all went down. But um, it was serious enough to trigger an investigation. But it's just when it got out. And just the flames that came out of it, um, and that's what that's what happens now with with everything that's out there. And I 100 percent believe that there are people at Auburn who, in, you know, in, in in certain situations, certain uh, uh, realms of power or whatever you want to call it, that use that sure that that fan the flames mm-hmm. to make to make it in an untenable situation. And when Brian Harson didn't back down, and when Brian Harson the investigation didn't conclude anything and he was still being the coach, it's like, okay, well, then that was that was just something that damaged everything. Like, yeah, what happened? What's Auburn's problems in recruiting right now? A lot of it has to do with what happened earlier this year. But the fact that this football team has gotten worse this season right. has very little to do with what happened earlier this year. That, that's exactly and that, right. And, that's, and you know, the problem is, is that nobody wants to have that kind of nuance. It's like everything gets kind of wrapped. Not, not talking about the callers, obviously. I'm talking about people looking on the outside in. Yeah, there needs to be a reason for everything. Right, exactly. Right. We need to get to our final break. Greg, hang on. You are, you are up when we come back to wind things down here on the Thursday Drive. Live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. Final few minutes, and let's get back to the Kia of Auburn Hotline, and Greg's up next. Hey, Greg. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? All right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to basketball season, too. I'm telling you, it's <laughs> rough. But uh, uh, to me, all this stuff, listen, you know, I listen a little bit every day. And uh, <laughs> in my opinion, it looked like we just jumped on a dang grenade. We tried to uh, do what Tennessee done uh, to their coach, and uh, – it backfired on them, so they jumped on a grenade. Now they've been bloated. It and, um, all the need. I mean, Harson, he's doomed. We all know it. And we know we're making a change. I mean, what could have been, we'll never know. Uh, I hope the best for him going forward. You know, but uh, if anything, he learned a hard lesson. And uh, I sure hope Auburn learned a hard lesson. Um, I've heard you know a lot of people talking about the coach that just got fired from Carolina. I don't necessarily know that that's the guy you want. In yeah, I'm not opinion. sure. I'm just not sure I'm how not he'd either. fit either. Mm-hmm. And I also, uh, I'm not. I'm not on the Hugh Freeze bandwagon. I never will be. I don't think. Uh, I think that's another band aid, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I mean, me, I, I, you know, I'm a Lane Kiffin guy. But I, who knows if that's going to happen? We seem like we want to pay more on buyouts anyway. Than we want. <laughs> if you want to pay more in buyouts, and uh, and then make him say no. No, exactly. It's, it's, Exactly. That's, I mean, that's, that's the position you're in right now. I mean, you got to make a, you got to make a call to do some things uh, now. 
you know, you, you got to get the right guy. You, you can't afford to mess up anymore with what you are. No, you're right. Class, Absolutely. It's going to be a transition recruiting class. Hey, that, guys, this is going to be another transition recruiting class. It's going to suck regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, only thing you can hope you can get somebody in there. Portal man, you got to you got to have somebody who is great at mining the portal. Greg, uh, we're running just hey, about out of time. Appreciate the call, Anthony. We got about uh, got about a minute. Well, that's all I need. Listen, fellas, you know, Tank Bisley not having the kind of year that I thought he would have, and 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 maybe not, may not be a first round pick. Do you think it's best he come back uh, next year, maybe somewhere else, and see if he can uh, get things going? We can get back in that first round. Uh, talk again or whatnot? I I think what the NFL thinks of Tank Bigsby is about to be fascinating to watch because you look at the numbers. This dude is one of the best running backs in the country at breaking tackles and getting yards after contact, which is really good yeah. metrics when you look at, at the NFL. That's what the NFL teams look at. The problem is is that he's getting hit at or behind the line of scrimmage pretty much every play. Almost every single play. You're so, right. He, so he doesn't have the cool stats, not, but the film he, don't lie there Statistically, he's not having a good year, but it's not, it's not he is, on Tank. He's like top five in the country in yards after contact per carry this Which year. Which is crazy. And it's like he, he, he barely has any. Because did, he has more of those than he has yards almost. Well, that's the thing is that um, his the difference between his yards after contact and his total yards rushing this year is separated by like 23 or 24 yards. If you look at the top 50 in college football in yards after contact, only one player is within 100 yards of that. It's a kid from Miami of Ohio, and it's 99. Wow. I'm telling you, no one in the country has suffered behind their offensive line more this season than Tank Bixby. So it's like, and running backs, the other thing is like, you get banged up. You have a lot of tread on your You're, tires. Y- the lifespan. Less tread on your tires. Yeah, the say. lifespan is, is not very long for running backs. No, I, I don't so think. You pull the tri- so no. you pull the trigger. But yeah, I what the NFL thinks of him is going to be fascinating because he's not going to have the pretty stats this year. But they're they they know they yeah, know what this right. dude's doing after contact. Justin, before we are out of time, one more yeah. time, let them know about the Observer. Yeah, AuburnObserver.com, six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year if you want more uh, Auburn football, men's basketball insight, mailbags, in, uh, analysis, a lot of basketball uh, uh, up there this morning. You can check them out uh, AuburnObserver.com. Have a good trip to Oxford. Looking forward to it. Dan and I back with you tomorrow, but we're out of time here on the Thursday Drive. Have a good one, everybody. We are out of here.